it was fun because they, they looked at things in a different way. They deal with the spirit of death. And they use that as like a capstone over a lot of different things. You know, uh, spirit of death, spirit, spirit of the world, spirit of darkness, kingdom of darkness, all that would be almost interchangeable. And what they talk about is that things under the spirit of death like hopelessness, rejection, condemning words, uh, defeatist thoughts, bad verbal patterns and stuff we use. And what they do is they help people break it. So I, I think it should be exciting because we all have those. I had worked through a lot of them, but as I went through this class, I started thinking, oh, yeah, that, oh, that's, that's an area of weakness. That's an area of weakness. Because there's a lot of things in our thought pattern that keep us from becoming who God called us to be. There's a lot of things the way we think, things that echoes from what our parents said, echoes from what some children in school said. Uh, and then, of course, we're really good at it ourselves by making all kinds of condemning statements about ourselves. And that breaks, uh, breaks us down because we either listen to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. And actually, that's what we're the kind of the subject we've been on. We've been on Hebrews right now. And how many remember Hebrews when we talked about we started off when we're going to chapter four today? Do you guys remember the first three chapters real well? What was the main point? You guys remember? I'll speak at once, please. Remember that scripture today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart as you did in the desert. Where you saw what I did for 40 years, but I said I'd never let you enter my rest, he said. Why? Because of unbelief. You know, they were actually listening to the wrong thing. Not only like they was talking about uh, this last weekend with the embracing life, but they listened to things saying that I can't make it, I can't do it. Words of disbelief, words uh, of uh, a failure when God has another plan. Now, remember we did, uh, this might be funny, might not be. Um, remember we did a little kind of a, uh, let's see, where's this thing? Oh, it's going to be a pain. Remember we did a little diagram You know, and we started off, we said that, that, cause what Hebrews refers to is actually something that happened in the desert. Remember? Israel was caught up, let's see if I can draw this, in Egypt. Right? And we talked about Egypt being symbolic of sin, symbolic of the captivity win, actually symbolic of things that, uh, of where we kind of start out when God kind of approaches us and meets us. And then the, when in Egypt, God sent a redeemer. And they put blood on doorposts, and we look at that as redemption. I'm going to put that's a cross. Isn't that a real nice cross? Oh, it's bad. And then there was a long period of time in here before they could get to the promised land. Okay? And that is symbolic of, of, of the kingdom uh, of God, heaven. But it's also symbolic of receiving the promise. And in their case, it was in symbolic of actually getting a promised land, a land that would flow with milk and honey. Now, we have promises, too. We start out in a way, and, and oh, you don't even see the whole thing. There was, there was a pyramid on this side. Let's see. Oh, there we go. I'll start it there. There's a pyramid. That's a pyramid. Maybe I should do some blocks. Would you recognize it then? It's 
It's worse. Okay, then there was a cross. I see I'm drawing is on my screen. It actually looks not too bad. Uh, but it wasn't showing up on there. I never tried this thing before. I told you I would try some new things. Okay, there it is. The idea that did not come out real well is I put a pyramid. And the pyramid was symbolic of being caught in sin. And then the next, you know, they put blood on the doorpost as they came out uh, of Egypt. You know, the, and that was symbolic of Jesus' death on the cross. The blood was paid. The Lamb of God was slain. And then they had to go to the promised land. But the promised land, though it was a three or four day journey, that took them 40 years. And it took them 40 years because they did not remember what God had done for them. They did not remember that he brought them out of captivity with a, with a king or a pharaoh that wanted to destroy him, that chased him and wanted to kill him. But yet he parted the Red Sea with them in, in the tracks behind so they could go through. But when the Egyptians tried to go through, they weren't able to go through. They failed. The ocean closed over. That presumption that they had caused them to die. They didn't remember that. And they didn't remember how he provided food in the desert and water in the desert. Out of a rock. And the food came down from heaven. They didn't remember that. They didn't remember all the different things God had done. Now, and, and Hebrews says, because they did not know my ways. And his ways was be able to remember what God had done. Because Israelites were trained to memorize and remember and recall. As a matter of fact, when they left Egypt, they were told to recall the ceremony. And we have, we have that uh, Passover ceremony today that they still recall and remember. But they didn't remember that. They chose to look at their fear and unbelief. And God said their hearts were hardened, and he said that they were wicked. It was wrong. This was witchcraft in his eyes. It was horrible in his eyes. It was not okay. We've become kind of second thought that it's okay not to believe. It's okay to think about your doubts and, and, and logically think them through. But the scripture says it's not. The scriptures are very clear. It is not okay to look at the shortcomings and the failings and look at the kingdom of the world. When God tells us something, we're to look at what he says. So when it starts off today, and the idea is today, he will speak to you. He speaks today. If he isn't speaking to you today, that's because you said no too many times, and your heart is hardened, and your ears have gotten dull, which is what he said to the Israelite people. Their ears are dull. Their necks are stiff. They're always not believing. We, we fall in that same category today. We're always not believing. But God has a process, and a process he uses over and over and again. I'm going to get that off there, aren't I? Because that's awful bad. <laughs> It looked good in my mind. I'll have to take some art classes. Uh, you know, so the, you know, you know, you like to see pictures of my family? No? How's that? Turned it off. But, so God had some, uh, some promise, and he told us to remember, didn't he? He t- told to remember, and his ways was that uh, uh, that he he teaches, he trains us, he causes us to trust him, and then he tests us. Because you know, God could have easily not had him run out of water in the desert, and easily not have him run out of food. Could have easily had him walk directly across to the promise that God had. But that is not his ways. He 
gives you a promise, then he puts a test to it. Why? Because he wants to see if you, first of all, be more out of heart with him and love with him. Second of all, if you'll believe what he said in spite of the things you see. And the third of all is that you would, you would distrust him being a good God to take you on through. This is important things. He trusts you every day. Many of you have gotten words. I've gotten words. And the first thing that happens after we got the words, the most opposite thing that could happen, happened. That's how he works. He allows those things to happen. Is it the devil that does it? Sure. There's no darkness in God. There's no turning from God. He just lifts his hand for a second. The enemy tests you. We always we had that picture in, in Job. You know, uh, the, the devil was up in heaven and says, you know, where, where you been? Been roaming here and there, he said. He says, have you considered my servant Job? There's no more righteous man on the face of the earth than him. Why did he say that? Because that's his ways. He allows us to be tested at whatever level we're at. If you see somebody tested, it doesn't mean that they're here, here, or here. You don't know. It means whatever level he's at, a person's at, God is going to test him. Because he is consumed with having a people that loves and trusts him. And an overcoming people. Overcoming people is not a real easy thing. So, this is talking about hearing, believing, and handling the test that God puts before you. I can't underline it enough. You will be tested over and over and over and over and over and over again. For the day you come home, you're going to be tested on the things God teaches you and shows you. It's his ways. He loves to do it. You know, I don't particularly like it, but he likes it. And he's in charge, so... Guess what? You're going to get it. And that's what we do. We get that testing. And that testing is a very good thing because of things I said. Now we're going to go into chapter 4. Let's see if I can. Oh, I... Huh? No, actually, I'll throw this up there maybe. I didn't think about that. I could do that. Who, oh, who has uh, Hebrews chapter 4? It's got a Bible, wants to read it out loud. Who can read well and loud? I don't. So I won't. Chapter 4. It's just a short chapter. Oops. Stand by. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. Hang up for a second there. Keep, keep the, just turn the microphone off and hang on for them and have you read some more. Okay. So, did they have the gospel preached to them? That's a real stretch in a way, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, it says they did, so they did. Whatever the gospel, the gospel, I guess, would be translated in this thing, the good news. The good news is God is going to bring you into a promise. And the good news is that there was a type of Christ being shown there with, with the Lamb. So, yeah, yeah, I guess you could say that. And you see, it says there that it had a preach to them, but they did not combine it with what? Faith. Faith is that ability to believe what God said over and above what you see. Faith is what caused Peter to start out walking on water and sunk in it when it went. The faith went. When he began to look at the the water and the wind and began to look at the circumstances, he sunk in there. But before that, when he listened to what God said, his ear was to it, and Jesus said, come, he listened to that and came. But yet he moved into doubt and sunk into it. 
So the Israelite people started out okay, and they got testing. And we look in the desert, we'll see the tests, how they increase. God didn't do much damage when they, when they first failed their test. But as the tests went on later and later, it became more, more harsher judgments for it until he had them fall into the ground at one particular point. So what does that tell you? That tells you that when God does testing on you, as we're young in him, he gives us a lot of grace, just as we take a child that falls down and, and when they try to walk, and we think, great, come on up, get on up. But when that same person can't walk when they're 20 years old, it's a problem. You know, so God wants us to make this type of, of a journey of a walk. And so he, he says to us, they weren't able to enter the rest. What was the rest that they were talking about? Do you know? Anybody know what the rest was? Hmm? Yeah, it was the promised land, but what do you think it was symbolic for? Trusting in God. Mm-hmm. Salvation. Mm-hmm. Provision. Provision, mm-hmm. Protection. Peace. What did it say about that rest? It was a quote. The first time we see rest is, is, is in uh, uh, Genesis 2, 2, I think. And it talks about the, that the Father creating heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested from all of his work. Yet in that rest, he maintained everything. Everything he's made, he's in a place of rest right now, maintaining heaven and earth, all of his principles, all of his things. He holds everything together, it says. But he does it in a place of rest. Now, this rest is a big thing. is because it's something that you and I are called to enter. They call it a Sabbath rest. It's a place of resting. The Sabbath rest would mean in the dwelling or rest place of God. So, in other words, what we're called to is to be in dwelled with him and be in that place of rest with him. That would mean that when he said, I will never leave you, we begin to believe he'll never leave us. That would mean when he says that we don't have to strive, then we don't have to strive. And when that would mean that my yoke is easy, then his yoke really is easy. But I don't always find it that way, because we actually end up moving in and out of that place of rest. But God has called us to have that place of rest. You know, the... uh, uh, I looked up in the, in the, it's a few different lexicons with the, what they, uh, what they called that rest. And one of them says, denotes God's rest, the place where he fixes his presence, uh, heavenly blessed, uh, blessedness in which God dwells, denotes the fixed and tranquil adobe pr- promised to Israel, it's a place of his presence. That's what's available to us. What that would mean if we're able to enter that, and stay in that, is that we don't have to strive anymore. That we'd really begin to trust that God truly is here and loves us and desires to take care of us. Doesn't mean we won't have problems, because we looked earlier. He's going to test us over and over on things. And he's going to test us on the rest. And he's going to test us on the promise. But the assurance and him establishing rather than us establishing something, is what it's talking about. So go ahead and read the the next few scriptures there. So I declare on oath in my anger 
that they shall never enter in my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David and what and as was said before today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts okay stop for a second there okay that's repeated multiple times today if you hear his voice today you hear his voice you know they didn't underline and they didn't have a highlighter in those days so they repeated it so this is being repeated so you don't miss it today that means today he's going to speak to you hear him He's dead serious. Now, we run around all the time not hearing what he says, but he's speaking to us always because that's his character. He created us to have relationship with us. He created us that we become his bride and live with him forever. He went to great lengths to let us know, let us know who we are and who he is and how we fall short and how our need for him, that we become a bride suitable for him. But as a bride or relationship, you have to speak with one another. Those of you who are married or been married knows that communication is important. Today, God will speak to you. Today, don't harden your heart. Now, those things usually aren't the big things. You know, don't steal from that bank. <laughs> you know, well, obviously, you probably aren't going to do that. But if he's telling you to show kindness to somebody you don't really like, maybe you won't hear him. Those are the type of things that you can be assured that he's going to say. Or maybe as the seminar spoke about, you, f- you feel the same that I'm no good. Well, that's not listening to him. He says you are holy. Why are you holy? Because he made you holy. The truth is what he said, not what you think or believe. The truth is today when you hear his voice, when he speaks to you, who you are in him. Because remember, God looks at through his son and sees you. It's like looking through a red piece of glass. I see everything red. Everything else is filtered out. There's, there's nothing else but red. And he looks through his son. He looks and just sees you through his son. Everything's red. There's, your sin is gone. It doesn't count anymore. And he finds you holy and precious and good. He's kind of thinking, well, if you really know me, I'm not. Yeah, he really knows you and you are. You are because he says you are. And it's not holy and it's not right and it's not good to say anything other than what the truth is, is it? So when God is saying the good things about you, you are called to believe him. And when God tells you to do this or that or to trust him here or that, it's not a a question of will you. He's calling you to do it. You have free will. You can choose not to. Because he's a God that gives free will. He doesn't want puppets. And there's a whole theology that goes along with that we don't have time for. But he wants people with willing hearts. And we have to choose. Now, we've got stuff in the way. Lots of stuff in the way that, you know, over time, you know, God's going to break off. I can tell you from where I was 20, 30 years ago to where I am now, there's a major difference of how I see myself and feel about myself. Some of it took a while. Do I believe him all the way? No, I don't. 
I don't always hearken to what he says. When he speaks to me, I don't always. I rationalize it off. Remember that rationalizing thing, the thing that was done in the garden? First thing Satan says, did God really say? Well, he said this, but that. But it is good for gaining knowledge. It is good for gaining wisdom. So I think I'll do it. Rationalization. God said this, I think I know better than God. That makes me God, and I'll do what I want to do. That's what happened. So let's go. Because of their disobedience. Their disobedience was crying out for water and food in the desert. And God was mad because he didn't remember. The first part of Hebrews talks starts off saying, you know, in the past, God spoke in various ways through prophets and angels and everything else. But today he speaks through his son. So if in the past they were held accountable for what God spoke through some human being, how much more are we accountable when it speaks through his son directly to us? That's what it's saying. But on the positive side of that is how much more power we have because we have a high priest that's went before us and it was lived with us, was acquainted with the temptations and, and, and intercedes for us that we can end up doing these things. So today when we hear his voice, we can do that. We can choose to do it because we have a high priest that will help us enter that and do what it's called. Okay, read chapter, I mean verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Okay, stop. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For, for anyone who enters God rests also rests from his own work. Would that be great that what you do, the different jobs you do, that you could do it where it's actually fun? That's what it's speaking about. Even jobs that you don't even like, it's speaking about. That's what God is offering here. This is extremely good news. Because when he set aside another day to enter that rest... He set it aside for you and I that we'd be able to enter. You see, unfortunately, Israel had to be the example for us. This is all a big example. Their little trip in the desert, you know, from, from the place of where something was promised to the freedom that brought by the blood that got them out of the captivity of Egypt, which is symbolic of sin and captivity, through the desert of trials, to the promise. This was an example for us to see. God loved us enough to allow some other people to fail so we could see. Now, he'll have mercy on who he wants to have mercy. I don't know what he's going to do with them. He's God. But we have an example that we can't forget. We have an example that says that we can make it to that promise of God. We can make it to that place of rest so we don't have to strive in the things that we do. We can make it to that place of hope an abundant life, because that's what it's speaking about too. It's speaking about abundant life. A life that, that's filled with the joy of him. 
the presence of him. See, the, he set aside for us a place, a dwelling place in God. That's the call. Not that we, you know, we visit there. He made us a dwelling place. Now he dwells in us. But the rest he's talking about causes us to stop striving that we can enjoy his presence in us. That's what we want. They would never enter his rest, and they didn't. They died. We shall enter his rest. If the work on the cross means anything, It means provision for that rest and that promise of God. We have that for us available today. That's what God's heart is for us and love is for us. That we be able to become the things that he called us to be. That we would not be stuck in the the brokenness that we've been found in our lives. So I want to give people an opportunity. Uh, Can we have the worship band come back up? Get you guys come back and just play a song. And those of you who want to do business with God on this and uh, want people in the ministry team, come on up. We can pray for you for this stuff, but the process is going to be in your hands. The process, you can ask God to touch. He will help you. He will bring healing. But you'll have continually to be tested in things. And you're going to have to walk through. If you can understand not only the testing process when he, when he promises you something to come through, he just doesn't do anything the quick and easy way always. He, he's willing to take the time to walk with us through things that we become who we're called to be. He's willing to allow us to, to uh, uh, fail at things that we'd be able to hear him and develop a relationship with him, a deeper relationship. Because it's all about the relationship. I mean, if he wanted us healed, if he wanted us perfect, he could take us home right now, have our hearts stop when we go home, and we'll be like him, the scripture says. But he wants to develop a relationship. He wants the opportunity to interact with us. So, now some of you may have already done business in this area and it's complete in your life. That's great. But if you'd like for an opportunity to be prayed for and you'd like the opportunity to, to, to uh, uh, have some of the hopelessness, uh, some of the things that are blocking you broken off, and have your eyes set again on God with an extra charge from his presence. Come forward and we'll pray for you. Because the same God that raised Jesus from the grave is here. Because he's the same God as yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The same God dwells with us right now. Dwells in me and dwells in you. And so if you want that opportunity, or if you don't know Christ, you can come forward. We can ask that the Holy Spirit would come and dwell in you, because that's a promise that God gives us, that he will come and dwell in us if we ask. So come forward, whoever wants prayer, and we'll pray for you. Otherwise, for the stand of you guys, let's stand and worship this last song. When it's done, I bless you to go. May the Holy Spirit rest on you and work these words into your heart, mind, and soul. We ask for uh, a blessing for every mother here today. And I ask that you would be able to carry the blessing, whether you're going to see your mother today or you're talk to her on the phone, that you would be able to have the ability to bless her. 
with the things you say, that you would have the blood that would wash away even your parents' sins, and that you would be able to love them and forgive them just as God loves and forgives you. So bless you. Amen. Anybody wants prayer, come on up.